0: is a continuation of the gospel from last Sunday. And taken together, they're kind of neat because it's kind of like a day in the life of Jesus. And so sometimes reporters or journalists of one type or another, when they want to do a feature on someone, they'll write it like a day in the life of whoever. Whoever a day in the life of Patrick Mahomes. And if they can, they actually hang out, right, with Patrick Mahomes for the day and and see how he practices and what he eats for breakfast and who he talks to and how he relaxes, what video games he plays. Those guys play a lot of video games, apparently. Um, Professional athletes, And then they write it up, right? Maybe they'll even just go like hour by hour, like, you know, seven o'clock. His alarm clock rings and Patrick Mahomes gets out of bed and has some Jamba juice or whatever. I don't know. And this is kind of like what St. Mark does for us right in the beginning of the gospel. is very beautiful to see Jesus a day in the life of our Lord. right? What was our Lord like? How did he spend his time? And they entered Capernaum and immediately on the Sabbath he went into the synagogue and began to teach them and they were astonished at his teaching for he was teaching them as one having authority and not as the scribes So the first thing we see here about a day in the life of our Lord is that he does his job And our Lord was a rabbi he was a teacher And on the Sabbath A rabbi or a teacher was supposed to teach in the synagogue. And this is what our Lord does, right? He shows up at his job. And that's very important for us, Jesus, because you tell us that, you tell us that you always do what pleases the Father, that everything you do, you do for the love of God. And to love God in the first place is to do his will, right? We can't love God while like explicitly rejecting His will or trying not to do what God wants. They're incompatible, right? If you don't try to do what God wants, you're not loving God. And what does God want? Well, the saints tell us this very clearly that our the duties of our state in life are like a large part of God's will for us. So if you ever think, well, what does God want me to do? You have to look at your life and say, well, what am I supposed to be doing? What are my responsibilities right now? And that's a huge part of God's plan for you right now. And so this is Jesus. Like This is his whole life in Nazareth. I mean, what was he doing before he became a rabbi, a teacher, a preacher, a healer? Well, he was just doing his job, right? His father was a carpenter, and so... He was a carpenter and he showed up at work and he, and he just did his job. He, he was who he was supposed to be. And this is the same for us. It's like, are you a student? Well, you're supposed to go to school and try to pay attention in class and not cut classes or go to Starbucks every five minutes. You know, try to learn something and be good more or less are you a teacher or do you have a job? Well, that's part of God's plan for you, that you show up, that you do good work, that you try to serve through your work. And it's so good for us, Jesus, to see that you're perfect, you're perfect God and you're perfect man and you're sinless. And he doesn't, like, make excuses for himself. Like, I'm God, I can just, like, take days off or not work and just show up and save the world, snapping my fingers. No, Jesus works. He teaches, he preaches, he goes, he, he deals with people, he gets into arguments, he fights against people who need to be resisted, he helps people who need his help. And then, in the synagogue, we considered this last week, there's the man with the unclean spirit, and Jesus casts out that demon. And then at the end of the day, towards the end of the day, In a way, we could say, like us, he goes home. He goes home to Peter's house. And so after having done his job, or having gone to school, as the case may be, depending on our situation in life, Jesus goes home to have dinner, to relax, to be with family, or in this case, friends. And as soon as they came out of the synagogue, they, with James and John, Came to the house of Simon and Andrew. Now, Simon's mother in law was keeping her bed sick with a fever, and they immediately told him about her. And drawing near, he took her by the hand and raised her up, and the fever left her at once, and she began to wait on them. And so that's kind of like our life too, isn't it? That Jesus goes home or to a place where it's kind of like home, it's not out in the public. He's with his closer disciples and their family. And yet, there's still things to do, right? There's still people to help there. There's, he can't just, like, you know, go to bed immediately when he gets home or just check out and do his own thing. And Jesus, this will be us. That We might come home from a long day at work or school, and yet there's still something to do with do our chores. We have to be interested in what happened to our family, our brothers and sisters, we have to be open to the interests of the others. Like if someone asked me how my day was, well, if I'm in a bad mood, I can't just say, leave me alone. It was fine. One word answer. uh, Or just grunt at people, right? Uh, sometimes that happens. How are you? Uh, um, <laughs> right? And so just because the day is over in terms of like work or the public doesn't mean we can just, you know, check out, right, or stop loving there's still there's still people to take care of and things to do and Jesus does this right he helps he helps Simon's mother-in-law he cures her of this fever and Jesus we know that you're good and that you're selfless but it seems like if there's one miracle that Jesus does a little bit for his own sake it's curing Simon's mother-in-law. why because as soon as she's cured the Bible says, She began to wait on them. I don't know, maybe she made like really good grilled chicken or something or pita bread or I don't know. And Jesus is like, I'm hungry. And she's got a fever. Well, let's perform this miracle to help dinner along here. (laughs) And that's not bad either, right? It's like um, charity is its own reward. And so there's a distinction between doing something like just for yourself or primarily for yourself, and doing something good, knowing that it's also good for you, right? Doing something good for another person, but knowing that it's also good for you. And so I think it's St. Augustine who says that in an explicit way. He says, charity is its own reward. When we love, the reward is love. And the more you love, the happier you'll be. And if we spend our life on earth, Lord, trying to love and trying to help people, well we'll have the reward of loving God in heaven forever and being loved by God in heaven forever. Charity brings with it the prize of charity, which is happiness, which is God, right? Love of God and God's love for us. And so in a way, it's okay that Jesus does something and he knows that he's going to get some benefit out of it. It's not, it's normal. He wants us to be happy. Now, when it was evening and the sun had set, They brought to him all who were ill and who were possessed. And the whole town had gathered together at the door. It's a lot of ill and possessed people, the whole town. And he cured many who were afflicted with various diseases and cast out many devils. And he did not permit them to speak because they knew him. What do we see here, Jesus, about your day, about you, about your life that we can imitate Well, we see a great generosity that Jesus must have been tired by this, by this point, right? He was already in the synagogue preaching. He already had a nasty kind of battle with this unclean spirit that he cast out of the man. He already had to deal with rumors about him, people doubting him. What is this? What new doctrine is this? He already had to wait for dinner a little bit longer in order to heal Simon's mother-in-law. And then when it's just like time where he can just hang out with his apostles, maybe do a little prayer, get to bed, well, all these people show up for him to help. There's more work to do. And Jesus does it. He cures many who were afflicted with various diseases, and the whole town gathered around the door. And this is at night, the sun had already set. And so Jesus, perhaps, too, we can see ourselves here, that at night we're still going to have some homework to do or some preparation to do for the next day, or perhaps a friend needs to talk to us, and or our parents give us something to do, we have something left to do, at home. And help us, Jesus, to imitate you, to do it with generosity, right? Not to give in to selfishness or tiredness or excuses. Right? To have a big heart in those moments. And even if it's something that doesn't seem like it's directly helping other people, like homework or... got to do my taxes soon. <laughs> um, anything can be done for others. Right? Anything can be done for your friend who needs help or for the church that needs grace or for whoever, right? People you know and love, anything. You can turn any work into a prayer just by offering it for that intention or that person. And Jesus, give us a big heart, right? We see so many times that our Lord deals with these big crowds. He heals lots of people and he kind of heals them one by one. And what does that show us about our Lord? It shows us that he has a big heart. Why? Because our Lord was human, right? Jesus was human. He's perfect God, and perfect man. And so he had a normal human personality and a normal kind of human psychology. Everything except sin. It's like willful, breaking God's commandments. What does that mean? It means that certain people would have been, like, more annoying to Jesus than other people. And... And he had normal human emotions and reactions to people. And so some people were probably like ungrateful for what he was doing. Some people were probably like rude, you know, cutting them off, you know, cutting off the other people in the line or telling Jesus to hurry up. I don't know. Um, people are people, right? Um, it's all sorts of annoying people out there. <laughs> and, uh, and there's different personalities, right? So not everyone like, We don't like click with everyone automatically all the time and some people can just rub us the wrong way because of whatever how they look or how they're different from us or because they're too much like us and sometimes it bothers us. And yet Jesus overcomes all that. He serves everyone. He helps everyone. He loves everyone. Even when they don't appreciate it when they don't like him, or when they don't treat him well. He forgives everyone. And this, Jesus, is something that you want for us. He wants us to have charity, which is the love of God and the love of others for the sake of God. Not for our sake, or even for their sake, but because God loves them. To love God and to love others for the sake of God, because God loves them. And that, Jesus, is to have a very big heart. And we want that. We want to have a big heart. We we don't want to exclude people. We don't want to write people off. We don't want to just like the people who like us. We don't want Jesus to let those initial reactions or even those, even those more long-term reactions because someone doesn't treat us well or whatever to keep us from loving them because you love them and you forgive them. Jesus, give me a big heart. A day in the life of Jesus. So this is the end of the day. And then the reporter gets to stay with them to see what, what happens in the morning. So it's a day in the life that started, didn't start in the morning, but the next day we can see right here. It's incredible how it just keeps going. On the Sabbath, they went to the synagogue. That same day he cures Simon's mother-in-law. That night, right? The sun already being down. He cured many who were afflicted with various diseases. And so he must have gone to bed late. He must have gone to bed late. And the next thing we read, the very next line in, in the gospel is this. And rising up long before daybreak, he went out and departed into a desert place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him followed him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. What a great lesson, Lord Jesus, from you that you're up late and yet you still get up early. And why does he get up early? Well, not because he has to, but because he wants to pray, or we could say because he has to pray. Because he wants to, or he feels the need for prayer. What a great example! Talk about putting first things first, right? The first thing our Lord does in the morning is to go find some quiet place and some quiet time to talk to God, right? To be with God alone. In a, in a the Gospel says, in a desert place. And wouldn't that help us, Jesus, to like set the priorities for the day, to set the tone for the day, if the first thing we did was to find some time for prayer? especially for mental prayer, right? talking to our Lord, thinking about our Lord, being with our Lord, looking at the day with him, just giving him our attention. And it's amazing, right? I mean, if anyone had an excuse not to actually go and do a specific time of prayer, it would be Jesus. Why? Because in his divinity, he's God. It's like, does God need to pray to God? I don't know. You have to ask God about that. It's like a mystery. But He's God, right? He's lo- He's the Son. He loves the Father completely. In His humanity, uh, Jesus is sinless, and we also learn from theology that part of His soul had what's called the beatific vision, and so part of His soul was always seeing God. It didn't always His soul didn't always feel the effects of that. Otherwise, He would be like out of his mind, happy all the time which he which he wasn't which would be really weird um she's like walking around ah, you know, <laughs> on the cross yeah, um, and so Jesus had the beatific vision which will make us happy forever in heaven but in order to suffer like he blocks it's almost like an epidural right he, he blocks the effects of that in the rest of his soul it's like a reverse epidural um <laughs> which is weird now that I think of it. But anyway. <laughs> all right. Um, he blocks the happiness so that he could suffer for us and, and, and by suffering, love. And so in his humanity, he's seeing God all the time. We could say he's praying all the time. And yet nevertheless, he still thinks it's important that with his imagination and heart and mind and body, What he actually does is a time of prayer. And so as God, he has an excuse not to pray. As man united to God in the the incarnation, he has an excuse not to pray. Just because of the day, he has an excuse not to pray. Well, Father, I was up late last night healing all these losers that you put in front of me. And now I'm tired. And I'm just going to skip the prayer this morning. I'm too tired. I'll, I'll pray later. And he gets up, and it says way before daybreak. He makes sacrifices to pray. He plans to pray. He he needs to pray. Even though he's perfect, even though he's God. And Jesus, how much more do we need to pray? I, who am not perfect, I, who make mistakes, I, who do not have the beatific vision, and we, who are sinful and who are weak, how much more, Lord, do we need to like Get our mind right with you in the morning, or set the agenda with you in the morning, or think about you so we can think about you a little bit more during the day. The bishop who ordained me was a man named Javier Echavaria, and he was very holy. He lived for years with Saint Jose Maria and with Blessed Alvaro del Portillo, and I remember he used to encourage us. He would say, you know, when you do your mental prayer in the morning, and in Opus Dei we do a half an hour of mental prayer every morning. Well, we're supposed to. <laughs> um, sometimes I sleep for some of it, but anyway. And he would say, um, "He would say, look, take five minutes or ten minutes of that time and just think about your day with our Lord. And think about Who you're going to be with and maybe how you can help them or the challenges that will come up and, you know, how you can react right in a Christian way and kind of like preview the day so that you're ready with our Lord. And I thought that was very helpful advice and very practical that if we could take part of our morning prayer and just with our Lord, show him what's going to happen. I'm going to be in this class and this teacher and this situation might arise and maybe they'll be gossiping over here or I'm going to be bored then and maybe I'll want to use my phone too much or whatever. And then I go home, Lord, and and I'll be with my family and this might come up or that might come up. Like Just to walk through the day with our Lord so that we kind of I have a plan. We're ready to live it with him. And that's a wonderful way, Jesus, to think about my day. What are we going to do together today, Lord, that you're always with me? How are you going to help me today? How am I going to ask for your help? How am I going to try to impress you today with my charity, with my work, or with my prayer life? We're not alone. We live our life with God. We live our life with Jesus, who is God with us. Jesus does this. He starts his day in prayer, and it's a great thing. We can do it too, but we have to make it happen. Or He made it happen. He got up early, even though he was up late. He found that place, and he went, and he left, he, he left other things. He left the apostles. They had to go looking for him. And Simon and those who were with him followed him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. What a beautiful thing to say to Jesus, right? Everyone is looking for you. Whether they know it or not, Lord, whether we know it or not, we're looking for you. We need God. We need your help. We need your direction. Everyone's looking for, he's like the real, he's the real celebrity. He's the one we need to see. What is happening? What is he doing? Every time Travis Kelsey catches the ball, Everyone thinks, are they going to show Taylor in the box? <laughs> right, everyone's looking for her. I'm even caught up in it. I'm like, yeah, they're going to show her? She's going to be hugging someone? What's going to happen? It's exciting. <laughs> and, you know, it's like, who cares? But, um, but with Jesus, this is real, right? We're, we need to see what he's up to. We need to find him. Everyone's looking for him. Because he's the way and the truth and the life. And what is Jesus up to? Well, he's not just high-fiving people and hugging people. He's serving. And he said to them, let us go into the neighboring villages and towns that there also I may preach, for this is why I have come. And he was preaching in their synagogues and throughout all Galilee and casting out devils. So after the prayer... What does Jesus do? Well, he gets back to work. It's just another day at work. Let's go to work. This is why I've come. Let's go into the neighboring villages and towns that there also I may preach, for this is why I have come. And he was preaching in their synagogues and throughout all Galilee and casting out devils. And this could be us, Lord, in our prayer, that we start our day with prayer and it gives us the motivation, the energy. To help others, right? To, to do our work, to fulfill that state of life, to fulfill the duties of our state of life where you've put us in the classes that we're in with the friends that we have and the family that we're in and the jobs that we have and the church, Lord, which is your church in our, on our teams and our hobbies, right? My life as it is is where it's where I love God and where I try to do the best I can out of love for God. Because that's where God has put me to do these things, to learn these things, to take care of these people. It's like Bill Belichick, right? Who can't find a job. Poor guy. I was really hoping the Cowboys would pick him up. I thought that would be a Yeah, I thought that would be a good a good fit, you know? Because they got good players. He's a good coach. Just let him coach his good players. And what's the problem? Jerry Jones, man, I don't get it. Anyway, um, sorry for sports talk radio here. But anyway, <laughs> uh, what was I saying? Yeah, Bill Belichick used to say, do your job, right? Do your job. And in a way, that's super important, right? Because our job is, is our duty, and our duty comes from God. And there's no love of God and love for others. Unless we're responsible for the things that we're supposed to be responsible for and for the people that we're supposed to be responsible to. Unless we're loyal. And Jesus gives us his example. Right? He, he doesn't cut corners. He goes into each town and deals with all these people and preaches in all their synagogues and lets all these people come to him and, and, and lays hands on them one by one, whoever they are. And he spends hours and hours and hours working. In his, in his position, right, as rabbi and healer and messiah. And we go to our lady. She did the same thing. Her closest person to God in the whole history of the world, outside of her son. And the holiest. And what did she do? Well, she just did her job, right? She was a mother and a housewife and a good member of her community, and I'm sure she helped a lot of people in her spare time. And took good care of her son and her husband and her friends and her extended family and the apostles right after Jesus dies. And she's the mother of the church. And she just like, you know, did what she was supposed to do. She did her job with a tremendous love, even though most of it was like normal super normal and hidden and ordinary. And yet she ends up the queen of heaven and the queen of the church and the mother of God. And so we go to her and we ask her, help us to, Have this day, a day like Jesus every day, where we pray and we try to do our job and we rest with our family, but the whole time we're trying to be generous with a big heart and loving. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations which you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.